So we're in First Timothy five seventeen is where we um, left. Well, that's where we started last time, and we're talking about um, a charge to live. We already saw a charge to give in First Timothy five one through sixteen, and uh, we talked about addressing members appropriately, relieving the weak responsibly. Then we got into a charge to uh, uh, give, not live. And um, we, we looked at the first point in verses 17 and 18, which is honor uh, the faithful elder liberally. First uh, Timothy 5, 17 through 18 says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. So, um, that was really the bulk of time that we took. We spent quite a bit of time. I waxed quite voluminously on that, so I'll hopefully move a little bit quicker on point B. So if you didn't get point A um, from last week, um, just kind of to refill in those blanks, we're we're doing a charge right now as a charge to uh, live. Uh, that's First Timothy five seventeen through twenty five. Um, those who, um, and the, there's the thesis there, those who preach the word should live the word and honor the faithful elder liberally. And that's as far as we got. So we got the rest of this outline to go. And it's a two-sided outline, so we still have a little ways to roll. Before we move, I mean, as we move on, Amy, can you um, go in the booth and hit the lights, uh, the Hundred percent. So. I looked at the wrong switch. I thought somebody did Well, it's no problem. It's no problem, Ron. That might error. It's not. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Ron, it's not like you. Uh, <laughs> I looked at the. When Ron tells you he looked at the wrong switch, then we uh, we know. That's uh, okay, Ron. <laughs> It's for us uh, visually challenged that we need it. Yeah, feels good on the old on, on not the old eyes, but on the eyes. So, and uh, <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So, point B. Uh, thank you, Jeff. That does like help. Literally helps my eyes when I. It feels like water or something. I mean, you could, you, I'm so, I promise you can say something. If I missed it, you can say something. It's no problem, Ron. That's why I did say something. So, they may not notice it so much, but once you start to try to read, you kind of all of a sudden you're like, "Hey, um, okay." So, uh, don't re- the point two is don't receive el- uh, accusations against elders lightly. Okay, so that's where we are tonight, and so let's continue in the text. First Timothy five nineteen through twenty, it says, "Against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Then, uh, them that sin, rebuke before all, that others may fear." Heavenly Father, just uh, teach us your word tonight. I pray a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word. And Lord, our prayer time tonight, I pray that it be fervent, effectual, and avail much. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so don't receive an accusation against pastors is what this is talking about. Lightly, obviously. That's uh, elder, pastor, or interchangeable. Um, I've told the story many a times uh, of, of when Amy and I were at a restaurant up in Independence after church one night. And uh, it was really our friends. I mean, it was really disconcerting, and they were they were having our pastor Jeff Adams for dinner over some pretty petty things. I don't remember what it was. And um, anyway, Amy Amy shut the discussion down. 
and uh, by what was it you said, Amy? I think you just said, "Have you talked to Jeff about that or something like that?" Yeah, and boy, you could hurt a a pin drop. <laughs> it's like quiet across the room, and uh, and uh, and so eventually. Uh, we actually withdrew ourselves from some of that because it just I, it wasn't healthy. Uh, it became too gossipy, and that wasn't what I was down with. And uh, and so um, I know what it's like. I've, I've told people that before. I've been I've been y'all, and it's easy. It's like watching sports, right? It's easy to sit back and say, "Man, if I was Patrick Mahomes, I'd have done this." <laughs> so it's kind of fun. It's even sport at times, you know. It's part of the deal, but um, but it, it can really be used of the devil. So God takes it seriously. So uh, Paul is giving Timothy some very wise and sage words here. Um, uh, don't you know? In that case, we didn't allow slander of our pastor, um, and that's one of the ways you can honor a pastor. Uh, these were malign- those that were maligning our pastor in his office uh, and our church. Um, you know, it's a reproach ultimately, and so if you really have an issue, just go talk to him. You know, uh, just go visit and and say hey. And, which I, by the way, I did at times. If I had something going on, I'd go talk to the pastor, and we had good visits. Um, and so Paul lets Timothy know he doesn't need to act on accusations against an elder unless it comes out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. So it is not that a pastor is um, exempt. exempt, right? Right, but it needs to be something. Um, as Paul is, of course, using the law, uh, Deuteronomy uh, 19, Matthew 18, John 18, over and over again. Paul uses that, and well, Jesus uses it too. And God spoke it right out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. And so Paul lets Timothy know he doesn't need to act on accusations against an elder unless it comes out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. So. Um, obviously, if you start hearing the same thing a couple of different times, well, now it's like, well, I might need to, I mean, I might need to dig into that. Um, and so Paul lets Timothy know that that uh, he doesn't need to act on accusations just because it comes. He needs to have two or three witnesses. So Paul's again, he's quoting from De- Deuteronomy 19, Matthew 18, John 18, Second Corinthians 13:1. Um, and so what Paul is driving at is there should not be an, um, an eagerness to hear or believe salacious words against an elder, right? Give me the dirt. Give me the dirt, right? So, look, if you hear it from multiple witnesses and it's not just petty gossip, well, then, it, yeah, you need to look into it. That, that has happened to, I mean, that happens from time to time. Uh, I've had, and I've, I've also, just so you guys know, there are times when I do think there's almost demonic or like really, I just, there's some crazy things that people say and you're like, really? How do you know that? Like, really? It's just hard. So if I, if it's a, if it's a pastor, I'm not going to receive it unless, unless there's two or three witnesses just because I'm told to. Um, that's the way, that's where it goes. So in general, we should not be eager to hear gossip. Uh, if you like to hear gossip, uh, then stop it. And, and this is real practical with me. Many, many years ago, a, uh, there was a pastor in sin uh, in our church, and I heard secondhand <clears throat> about it. It was a rumor, um, and I didn't know firsthand if it was true or not. And so I can even give you the date. So that was about 1994 when I heard about it. And I didn't have any, I didn't talk about it. I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't say, so-and-so said this about so-and-so. And And it was something that was said in confidence. And again, the person that shared it with me, um, I won't get into the details too much. They weren't gossiping really either. It was part of, 
anyway, in hindsight, uh, they were privy to information that pastor didn't want them to know about, and the pastor actually asked them about it. And since he had heard it secondhand, uh, he just told the pastor, well, I love you for your work's sake. And uh, that got the stamp of approval of the guilty pastor, and he moved them on down the line. And, um, and at that time, we didn't know, I didn't know, it was just a rumor. But anyway, a couple years later, once there were several people that had come out and said, yep, yep, and there was more than one person, more than one witness, well, then you have, and you're right here, okay, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. And, uh, and so God has a way of making sure those things come to light. And uh, I'm glad they did. They need to come to light because it's a reproach on the name of Christ. And also people are getting hurt, right? And so it's like having lambs in the in the teeth of a wolf and, the, and they need to be delivered. So, And so we just need to be... I just want you to know, guys, no one is off limits of God's judgment. Um, and so, you know, there, there's the whole don't touch God's anointed. Um, you can go too far with that, too. So there's just there's got to be a balance there. Just do what the Bible says. If it's just some crazy, salacious comment that you don't know where it comes from, let it lie. Pray about it. God will prove it in due time, and it will come to pass if it is that bad. One of the things I told somebody one time, uh, we were in the middle of a church split, and there was all kinds of crazy you know, rumors and things going around that I, I guarantee were uh, unfounded uh, against our senior pastor. Um, I say unfounded. I don't know if they were true or not, but I guarantee these people weren't in the know if they were true, you know, because they were so far away from it. You know how that goes. And uh, I'm like, listen, if that's true, God will execute them. I mean, that's how I'm coming to church on Sunday and opening up my Bible and learning the Word. Because uh, at the end of the day, if if what you're saying is true, God's not going to stand for that. He'll he'll bring the hammer down, and uh, I trust God enough to take care of that. And so, um, <clears throat> and so, you really got to put judgment in the hands of God, and you got to be gracious um, in regard to letting God do what God does. At the same time, if there is a credible um, situation, credible accusation, then out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word needs to be established, and so, and it needs to be ad- ad- addressed and dealt with. And when that happens, that puts you in verse 20, right? So let's look at that again. Them that sin rebuke before all that others may fear. So again, Paul's not saying that uh, you cannot um, bring an accusation. Uh, If there's an accusation that sticks, then you should bring them before all that others may fear. Uh, And it should be done publicly, right? That's rebuke elders who sin publicly. First uh, Timothy five twenty, so <clears throat> that should be uh, that what happens. We do rebuke those who sin, right? James three one, the Bible says, "My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we receive the greater condemnation." He's like, there is a weight to being in a role of responsibility, right? Having authority brings accountability and responsibility and thereby consequences if indeed we uh, do not hold the office of a bishop in high esteem. Luke twelve forty six says, The Lord uh, of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at that hour when he is not aware, and will cut him asunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And the servant which knew his Lord's will, and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes. And the point here, and this is of course a devotional point out of Luke 12, but it applies devotionally. For unto whom much is given, of him shall much be required, and to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. So there's a high accountability 
for the offices, which we saw in First Timothy chapter 3, and he's mentioning here in First Timothy chapter 5. And I might even add, for the patriarch, since I do think there's a, a sense here where you can also talk about elders in regard to patriarchy, in a patriarchy, in a, in a family. Uh, you know, there is a sense that you, you know, just because you're old doesn't make you wise. But um, if you are the aged patriarch, uh, man, it's important to behave yourself wisely because there's a lot of younger people following your lead, right? It's just in a practical sense. But this is dealing, uh, certainly dealing with uh, the office of a pastor. It's also uh, could be applied uh, with honoring anyone that's in a responsible position. So Paul is uh, reversing course on what he said in 1 Timothy 5.1, which was rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father and a younger man as brethren. So it seems like that's a contradiction if you don't put it in contrast because he's not saying that they, a pastor uh, should be uh, that's in sin should be overlooked. So it's, this is not a contradiction. Okay, it's not a contradiction at all. It's a consequence, is what it is. It's a consequence to an elder that has been um, uh, caught in sin of some sort. And they should be rebuked publicly and as a consequence. Having said that, um, in any other instance, they should be uh, treated with respect. And you should not rebuke an elder. It doesn't mean forever. You should never rebuke an elder under any circumstance. So really what you see here is the balance, right? Sin <clears throat> causes problems. And, uh, and so a pastor who sins in particular, is, uh, and it's substantiated, needs to be rebuked publicly. Not just swept under the rug. Not, you know, he got another job. I was just recently, I was talking with a brother about a pastor, and that's what they did. I mean, he he just got another job, went to another place. So you just let the wolf go to another, you just let the fox out into another hen house, right? That's not what needs to happen. It needs to be brought publicly. And if it's grievous enough, that person should be removed. Uh, And I believe there's times when you can't be restored. I think everyone can be reconciled to God, and they can be reconciled to their family. But I do think there's times when you forfeit the opportunity um, to be a pastor, for sure. Um, And so, at any rate... We do need to be careful with dealing with these matters, and each individual local church deals with them, uh, each church at a time. But there are time uh, there are times pastors do repent and can be restored, and other times they cannot. And so you say, well, Brian, what are the situations? Well, I'm going to just tell you it's a case by case situation. Um, Proverbs chapter six says this uh, in verse 32. Uh, and since we're, we don't have an overhead, just turn back there because you don't have... The, I did, did I put the verses in your... Well, I put them on the side so you could see them. Yeah, that way we could keep moving quicker. Uh, it says over here on the side, But whoso committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that, he that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. A wound and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. All right, so pastors who fail, they certainly can be forgiven and restored, but there are times their reproach will not be wiped away in time. And so uh, Jesus says it's under the blood and it's forgiven, but there are times failure forbids them from returning to the office because the office is just simply too important. Right? So I know a pastor that was in Juarez, he's a pedophile. In my opinion, you know, that man should not be in, he's a double offender. Right, not just once but twice. Uh, okay, 
I can't. I'm not saying that brother shouldn't be restored. And his wife, and he's still married to his wife. He has a beautiful family. Uh, praise God for that. I've been in his house, you know, uh, before all this came down. Right before this came down the second time, um, and so uh, I was shocked at a conference when I see him sitting around with a bunch of pastors. I'm like, whoa, what's this guy doing here? Right? Well, he's going. He's in some restoration ministry. I'm all about the guy being restored. But if I see him in an office somewhere, that's crazy. Office of a pastor. You know, there are times I hope his family is restored. And I don't think, I don't, I'm not, the reason I'm not, I think biblically I have every right to say his name right now because he's, it's, 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 it's known. I'm not going to say his name because I trust that he's sincere in his restoration and I don't want to do that to him or his family. Uh, but, and if I saw him pastoring a church, I would definitely be like, hey, hey, watch out. You know, do, that's that's dangerous. I think that's foolish. And whoever would ordain that man and, uh, and put him in the office at this point would be foolish. Uh, um, now, you may disagree with me, okay, and that's you can have your opinion. Uh, but I do think that uh, there are times when, you know, you just... It's not that they can't be forgiven. It's not that they can't be restored as far as their family. And I, I, I think God's grace... I just talked about murders, right, being used. But you didn't see you didn't see Moses continuing in murder. <laughs> you didn't see, you didn't see uh, Paul going out and murdering more people, right, after the fact. So there needs to be a blameless testimony. And there is a point at which uh, that opportunity... That's not like I said this morning. Um, the last point, right... You may have had the responsibility, but now your opportunity is gone. And so that opportunity to stand in that office is no longer available to you. Now, we live in America. It's a free country, and there's a million local churches. And if you don't like the one you're in, you can go start one, and that's often what happens. So uh, you need to be very If you're not in this church or a good church, you need to be very wise and discerning in, in, uh, in the office of the pastor and who's in it. So those are some things that you want. Jeff, you got any comments on that? Okay, that's a kind of an interesting subject, I know. Point D, observe these things without partiality. Rebuke elders who sin publicly. So there needs to be a public reckoning. Uh, I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit on that. So we had a pastor who, uh, I'm kind of dancing around this whole discussion, but we had a pastor, the one that I was saying I was, I'd heard a rumor about a couple years earlier, right? Two years later, it was substantiated. Our church was in a lot of turmoil, and it was a legal, such a legal situation. It wasn't just a moral matter. It was also a legal matter. <clears throat> and it wasn't just uh, adultery. It was also had to do with finance. So they were tight-lipped about it. Uh, because they're attorneys, right? Now you got issues of slander, you got you got court dates, you got this and that. <clears throat> but I was never so relieved as when our pastor, and it was like six months later, he got fired in July, and it was somewhere in the spring. I think it was like March or April of the following year. Uh, our pastor finally enough smoke had cleared where he could legally get up in front of the whole congregation and just instead of just saying we had to fire our pastor because he wasn't blameless. That's all he kept saying. He wasn't blameless. He wasn't blameless. And Jeff was during during that time. Which was enough, you know, and I, I was I was okay. I, you know, I stayed in my spot and did what I was supposed to do. But, but <clears throat> it was wonderful when he finally got up and said specifically, "This is this is what he did, the, did." And then you can go down in the basement and you can see it laid out on the table. Here's the receipts that have been forged. Here's this, this, and you know, it was just laid out in front of you. I needed to see that. It helped me, and it also helped me put other people's mouths. That were running around, you know, shooting out the lip, silent. Like, hey, I don't want to hear it anymore. I've seen it. 
I don't want to hear any more. I've seen it with my own eyes. And then subsequently after that, uh, women started coming back and standing up publicly and, and with tears and repenting. And, uh, and it was very obvious that this was no, this was no conspiracy theory, right? And uh, as, as ugly as it is and was, it was really good, actually, because it got dealt with and it got, it got addressed and it got, it got somewhat expunged, I would say, uh, so to speak. God was able to help. It helped me, you know, know. And also, by the way, it, our, the senior pastor... Um, uh, I just have nothing but respect for how he handled all of that. That dif- it was a difficult time, and you know what he did every Sunday? He got in the pulpit and preached the word without stop, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Uh, it wasn't the senior pastor who fell into the sin, and so uh, now people can say what they want. Did he know before? Did he know? That? I don't know. Whatever the senior pastor knew, he'll answer for that. The judgment seat of Christ. That's not my deal. That's his deal. But I know once it was made public, it was dealt with as I think as best as it probably could have been under the circumstances. I don't really know, but uh, people are very quick to make judgments. It's again, it's like watching a football game. You know, you're like, well, hey, it's easy to say Patrick Mahomes should have ran right when he ran left. <laughs> you know, when you're sitting in the stands. But when you're under the pressure, it's another situation. And I just I respect the the fact that our pastor stood in there and uh, handled it as well as he did dur- during that time. So it was a publicly uh, it was a public situation and it had to be dealt with publicly. So yes, Ron. <clears throat> um, so in in that same time, because Valerie and I were kind of there. Um, I had two different situations where different people came up to me and started yammering on about all that. And I just said, look, you and I, all we have to decide, are we going to obey the Word of God or are we not going to obey the Word of God? Are we going to follow Jesus or are we not going to follow Jesus? Amen to that. And, and you could, I mean, I, I, you could, they, they just shut up. I mean, it, and, and I didn't really, I wasn't trying to just drop the hammer on them, but... At the same time, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to hear about all that. Amen. I'm not in that spot. Right, because unfortunately, it, yeah, it wasn't just the pastor that was in sin. Now, all of a sudden, everybody starts shooting at another pastor, and now you're in this. Now you are, in, you are in First Timothy five twenty. Yeah. And you guys say, wait a minute, and just to your point, Ron. Amen. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, does does this pastor? Do we have witnesses to what you're saying? We sure don't. You know, so I don't want to hear about it until there's witnesses. There was witnesses for the other pastor, and in due time, that became very self-evident. But you're right, Ron. You just have to stay in your lane. And I will say, I'm gracious under those circumstances because it's a it's like a war situation. There's fog of war, and that's one of the reasons Paul's being very clear to Timothy. As things get said, Timothy. Don't just believe everything you hear, right? You need to have witnesses. Just use the Bible, the Word of God. If there's witnesses, you can address it, and it'll get worked out. It doesn't say, by the way, the witnesses are, are, are truthful. It means just don't address it until you have witnesses. So don't even worry about it until you got two or three witnesses, right? If two or three witnesses are conspiring, well, God will probably prove that out as well. And that's that's also still a possibility, um, but the point is is that, um, Amen, Daron. I mean, there's times when you just have to say to folks, "Yea, hath God said," <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not going to re- receive a, a, a uh, I'm not going to receive an accusation, right? You, you don't have any evidence. That's hearsay. You don't know what you're talking about. 
and I've been there. I've been on the. I've been in those conversations when I was a rank and file, so to speak. And I know how it goes. And Ron, that's exactly how you got to deal with it. And typically, they just if they find out you're not willing to gossip, then they'll go the other direction. Um, <clears throat> okay. So point D. Um, observe these things without partiality. So C is publicly, D is uh, partiality. And of course that's the, ver- the word used here in verse 21. I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. So don't be partial. We know what that means, right? So um, we we need to be we need to be just in our judgment. So we who are in the office of a pastor cannot promote doctrinal purity without living a lifestyle of moral purity, because we lose our we lose our authority. So well, I won't say it because it's anyway. Well, yeah. Anyway, moving on. So there, this brings a balance to honor. So God doesn't want to honor dishonorable men who sit in an honorable office. I'll say that twice. So, you know, God doesn't want to honor dishonorable men who sit in an, an honorable office. So the office is more important than the man that's in it. And a man who doesn't esteem the office as honorable really doesn't honor the office and is not an honorable man. So you don't want to, you, you, you don't want people who don't esteem the office of a bishop uh, to be in the office of a bishop. And so we observe these things without partiality. There is a, a a cloud of witnesses, right? A great cloud of witnesses. I was mentioning that this morning when I prayed. We we cannot compromise by being partial. So we should be impartial and allow, and allow God to sort out those who slander uh, the pastor as well. So the pastor cannot satisfy your need. Uh, only Jesus can. That's another thing. Sometimes people say all kinds of things for whatever reasons because they're just not satisfied. They have unmet expectations. They're hurt, whatever the case. Um, and so you know, only God can satisfy those needs. But the men in the office need to be... Uh, what they purport to be, to, to whatever degree they can be. No man is perfect, of course. Um, but be impartial and allow God to sort out the motives of people's hearts. That's the key. Let God sort out the details. It's a wise pastor who points people to Christ uh, because only Jesus can satisfy. So we cannot afford to be partial to people uh, but sir. Um, and then, but serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can't be, you know, showing partiality to people and and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like it says in Matthew: you hold the one and hate the other, right? And so you can't serve God and Mammon. You got to be you got to be all in for Jesus. So don't compare ourselves with ourselves. Uh, Peter was not to focus on John, but what God God called Peter to do in the end of the book of John. There, when he's saying, "Hey, well, what about John?" And Jesus, is like, "What about you, Peter? You do you follow me?" I'll take care of John, and you take care of Peter, <laughs> right? And so, uh, you know, run your race and finish your course. Follow Jesus faithful, faithfully, and that will aid in that'll aid in helping us uh, from swerving and going shipwreck, uh, and making sure that Jesus is preeminent. And as as Ron likes to point out, Jesus is exalted, and He is He is He is the preeminent. Uh, one and that's who we need to put first. So make sure you don't ordain elders prematurely. First Timothy five twenty two. The next verse comes right along. Lay hands suddenly on on a no man. Neither be partaker of other man's sins. Keep thyself pure. And so um, 
Man, I uh, you know I like I like to see when I was just watching Craig Rochelle's son. Uh, you guys know who Craig Rochelle is. He's the pastor of Life Church, which if it's a church, it's a TV church thing. And then he's got his son, and his son's the new youth pastor guy, inviting all the people to come out. And I hope and I hope that's a good thing, and it can be. Um, you look at a guy like Brian Berry; he's just a great guy, and he's following his dad's footsteps. That's great, but it always makes me a little nervous, you know, when. The big preacher's son is the next preacher coming along, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that if the if the young man is godly, and that's what he wants to do. Uh, but you don't want to prefer one over the other, right? Uh, you know, Saul preferred Jonathan, but God preferred David, right? And Jonathan was a great guy, by the way, wonderful guy. That's why David and Jonathan got along so well. But at the end of the day, Jonathan was the one, not the one that God wanted to be the king. He wanted David to be the king. Because, well, Saul had lost his opportunity, right? Uh, he bore the responsibility, and he lost his opportunity, just like I was talking about this morning. And J- and Jonathan, for whatever reason, was not the next heir apparent, right? David was. Yes, ma'am. Now that this blessings of the children, you, you obey God, and your children will be blessed. And if you disobey God, your children will be cursed. Yeah, in the Old Testament. Generational yeah, generational blessings in the Old Testament. It was like that. Uh, not necessarily, because there are kings that uh, we see multiple kings, sons that were rascals. Josiah is an example. He came from horrible. Uh, so God didn't always judge. The, the The judgment didn't always fall on the second, third generation. One of the things you find in the, and excuse me for interrupting, but you find in the book of in the prophets where God just starts saying, look, I know what I said before, but, you know, not that he's changing everything, but he's finally said, if somebody obeys me, I'm going to bless him. And if his son doesn't obey me, I'm going to curse him. And if his son obeys me, I'm going to bless him. So essentially it became, we're, the, the, the children are not going to be punished for the father's sons, and the fathers aren't going to be punished. Yeah, he does actually change that as he goes, I don't remember where that reference is at. Huh? It's Ezekiel. Ezekiel. It's in Ezekiel. And Jeremiah. Yeah, so he does change that up, but that, uh, yeah, that. that but to your point, in uh, Saul's time, certainly Saul's sin, it did affect Jonathan. I mean, but without David even being part of the equation, it affected Jonathan. Jonathan's going out and, like David, doing the mission of God, defeating the enemies of God, while his dad's back there, goofing off. Yeah, and and messing up the forward progress of the kingdom. So, um, anyway. No, that's good. That's, those are good. Those are good examples and good discussions. I need to probably. I should probably pull up here. Um, oh, I'm almost done. Let me finish up here, so this won't take me long. Uh, point E: Care for your health responsibly. Verses 23 through 25. He says, "Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake, and thine often infirmities." Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise, also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. So the pastor must take responsibility for his health. Uh, Paul is encouraging Timothy to address the physical and emotional needs that he has uh, at that time. And this is not permission for social drinking, by the way. It's a permission to take medication. Uh, And so uh, no man gets away with anything. That's also what Paul is saying here. So uh, that brings some measure of, of comfort, at least to me. 
Uh, Paul had clearly set forth Alexander and Hymenius and let us know that they swerved and they'd been shipwrecked. Uh, and there's no one getting away with anything because God knows, right? In verse 16, take heed to thyself. Oh, I'm sorry, chapter 4, the previous chapter. Take He tells Timothy, the last verse there of the previous chapter, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Right? So uh, it's not just knowing the doctrine, it's taking heed to the doctrine. So we need to trust God uh, uh, to judge faithfully, and he will, and if not in time and eternity. And you will not survive in this church age if you don't understand that God is just, and you can just rest in his judgment and trust him with, with, with judgment. So when you take the sword into your own hands and start swinging it in self-righteousness, um, you will not be any better off uh, than the person that you're swinging at. And so you do have to be very careful in, in how you execute justice and judgment because ultimately God is the ultimate judge. So he gives, Paul does a good job here of giving a framework to a pastor, um, you know, that, that, and it's really simple to understand. Um, you know, two or three witnesses, be careful how you judge, uh, take care of your own health, right? Take care of yourself, make sure that you don't, uh, you know, um, you know, you don't get uh, burnt out, right? And, uh, and trust God in judgment. I've been in early on in the ministry. I, I learned that principle. One of the things that, that we understand from the Word of God is that with much wisdom comes much sorrow. So you can learn things and even know things, but not have any ability to affect them. And that is grievous in your heart. So you can see the train track, you know, you see the train coming down the tracks, and you may have wisdom and you may understand it, right? Because with much wisdom comes much understanding, which means you'll move out of the way. But one of the most grievous things is is to see other people who can't. And sometimes you feel like your hands are tied. What do you do? What do you do? So what do you do? Amen. That is the answer. Brenda is pray and pray harder. Don't 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 get a quorum of people together so you can you know secretly figure out how you're going to overthrow the king and uh, and change all this and da 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 you know because that is that is the wrong that is exactly what the devil wants. Sometimes all you can do is pray. And uh, so for two years, I sat and prayed and prayed and prayed. You know because I didn't know what to do with the information I was privy to. So. Um, sometimes there's nothing you can do but pray. And in due time, uh, if it doesn't get found out now, it'll get found out later, and God will judge it. Some men's sin are open beforehand, going forth to judgment. And other men's, well, it'll follow after. But the good works of those that are otherwise, they cannot be hid. So in that scenario, who do you want to be? You want to be the people that are doing good works and doing the right thing with the right heart attitude, and then you don't have to worry about it. And you know what? Nobody will miss it, right? God will, God will bless it, and you don't have to even worry about all that because uh, God's got his good hand upon your life, and you're doing what's right, and you have a clean conscience. As Paul said, I have exercised myself always to have a clean conscience before God and in the sight of men, and that's where we want to be. Uh, and if we're in that spot, it doesn't really matter. When someone accuses you, you're like, well... I would agree with. I've had that happen. People accuse me of this or that. I, I'm like, well, I tend to agree with you. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm, I'm just not the best at this or that. But I still am blameless. I'm doing my best. God knows it. I'm really not intentionally trying to ignore you, hurt you, whatever. Yeah, I could probably do better. Uh, you know, 
do you need to fire me as a pastor? If we do, let's get a quorum of people together. Let's get it, let's get it on. You know, I, I might be the first to fire myself. You know, I mean, the point is, is that you know, at the end of the day, the accusations need to be sincere and they need to be serious and they need to stick, and uh, and they need to be sin at the end of the day is what it boils down to. And uh, and Paul's like, hey, don't be don't be throwing around a bunch of accusations against elders unless they're serious and they're substantial and they are. Uh, What's the other word? There's another S word I'm looking for. They are uh, not sub. They have substance. That's it. They have substance, and they aren't going to have substance if there's not witnesses. And and if and it does happen at times. Maybe someone's privy to something, um, but there's no witnesses. Well, then pray about it, and you get to that last verse. God knows, and He'll bring it to pass. I am sensitive to this. I, my dad, uh, I mentioned this a few weeks ago. My dad was kind of some of the hypocrisy he saw as a young man, um, uh, you know, by preachers uh, having alcohol in their car and stuff like that, which is uh, it was terrible. Um, those things threw him off course. It caused him to swerve, you know. And so I'm pretty zealous about, you know, pastors being blameless and harmless uh, and, and honoring the office. Because if, you, if you're not, you're going to throw people off course. Having said that, you know, none of us are perfect and we're all made out of clay. So, uh, if there, you know, you need to make sure that you honor the office and the officers need to honor the office. And if we're not willing to do that, we don't belong in the office. And uh, I think I've said that, so I've probably repeated myself now four or five times. But um, it's important. Are there any questions or comments before we wrap up? All right. So let's, uh, let's uh, pray and we'll get into our prayer list. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Pray a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word. Ask a blessing on our prayer season. In Jesus' name, amen.